And so now we finally got back to make everybody's name bronze the way it was intended, and now we have a man on a logger, yep. actual logger. So as we move on to this, it's a very malt forward, oh, dark, yeah. dark lager, very Australian, or not Australian, yeah, Austrian. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> oh my goodness. Jim, Jim showed up. Oh, <laughs> Austrian. Good night, mate. <laughs> you called out a noise. <laughs> stumbled on into the tap takeover podcast welcome back to another episode of the tap takeover podcast today we continue our brewery interview series with a return to the lincoln warehouse this is now our third visit to this incubator at the corner of first and beecher we've been here for eagle park and enlightened and today we visit Component Brewery. The Kowalski family has started this in the same space that Eagle Park has. And we're as excited as we were when we came to visit Eagle Park. So today, DJ, Jonathan, and Steve share responsibilities in running this brewery. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us today. And as we always do, let's put some names to the voices. I'm Jim. I'm Steve. Jonathan. DJ. Jesus. And I'm Alex. So let's get into, uh, let's go right back to the beginning with you guys. What, uh, what were the sort of beers that uh, kind of got the creative juices flowing? What, uh, what were the craft beers that uh, inspired you guys to start your own brewery? You could go way back to sort of some of the first craft beers, I guess, that were maybe before we were even brewing something that I remember going to uh, when I was at school at Whitewater. We had a, a kegerator that we would always try to have something halfway decent, and the last thing something that always comes back was uh liney's creamy dark was something that we always had on on draft on there which was something that kept people away sometimes because they always wanted you know keystone or uh you know uh, natty light or something so it was something we could have and, and when people came over they weren't always always getting into it but i mean that's that's way before i'd done some home brewing maybe once or twice before that but it was it was kind of a just a on a whim nothing nothing too serious we got into i, I mean the way we kind of got started was john was was homebrewing pretty seriously before steve and i really were and i was living in boston i'd come back and, and have some of his beers and they were just they were really good i mean compared to things that i had homebrewed they were they were incredible so that that was kind of the start and that was i don't know seven eight years ago probably so that was kind of the the start of the homebrew and then we started all kind of homebrewing together so that was that was definitely part of the part of the process so talk to us about that genesis We've heard a lot of stories about guys sitting around drinking a beer and going, we really should do this. Uh, how did Component come together? Yeah, I mean, along the same lines, you know, it was kind of, um, we were, we were homebrewing and, and I don't know that we ever took it very seriously or, or really had that thought. You know, it was just something fun to do. Our, I've got kids, John's got kids, so we could hang out and have the kids together and, and the families together and brew and I mean, all we did was talk about beer anyway, so it was just kind of a natural progression to uh, to, to make it as well. So, I mean, I'm sure we talked about it, and I, and I gave John, you know, a hard time. Like, this is this beer is, I, I paid $8 for a beer that's just as good in Boston. You know, you know, you should be working in beer or something like that. But never, I don't know, there was much more than a, a much of a thought to it at that point. No, I think when, um, this is like two years ago when we were picking hops in your backyard, we kind of, we were all there and we're like, we should open a brewery. 
So there was that too. Yeah, yeah. I always um, have grown. I was like growing things, and so I've had some cascade growing in the in the backyard. And uh, yeah, that, that's uh, that's just something that's fun. Almost just gets in the way more than anything, but I still do it every year. <laughs> and it's something that we we put in the beers that we have made here. Yeah, once we opened up, yeah, it was it was like all right. Well, doing all this work. I mean, you do all this work to pick all these hops and everything and then get done and you end up with you know not very much but luckily for us we have a tiny brewery so it still works <laughs> so that was the aha moment but what was the aha beer what was the beer that people are like holy cow you guys are really good at this since we've been here i guess before you even started here whether it wasn't just like picking hops there was, must have been the beer that really caught on with your friends uh family that was just like you guys should really take this seriously open up a place yeah, I think it was the Mosaic IPA. One of my first homebrew recipes, and I always had it on tap in my house, and it was gone you know, as soon as I could make it. We've been doing iterations of that beer with different hops since we started. We call it, It's the Mosaic Theory. We've done Galaxy Theory. We've done Nelson Citra Theory. I just brewed another one today, trying to figure out what hops we're going to do with it. Nice. I, I think that's really fun. And everything that uh, that I've noticed when I've come in is that uh, I don't. Know, you guys are brewing styles that we like. You know, you guys are getting into the uh, the kettle sours. You guys are getting into the the beautiful New England style IPAs. I mean, you guys are ahead of the game. Uh, you know, compared to a lot of breweries uh, as far as doing what what the folks are buying these days. Was that a was that a conscious choice, or was that just kind of where? Your home brewing path kind of led you. Were those the styles that you guys were already getting into? Yeah, I think um, all of the above. I mean, John always was happy to experiment with anything. Um, I think once we had thoughts in our mind that we were going to try to do this, then we started really even experimenting more at home. But I mean, hazies, yes, kettle sour, and even pilsner were things we, we started to experiment with. But I mean, he always would, would have a stout or a West Coast IPA or, you know, just kind of all over the board. So. That's, I think, what's kind of happening here, too. We just can't really help ourselves, you know, try to be pigeonholed in anything. I mean, it's, it's whatever, um, especially with such a small system, it's, it's what's seasonal, what's, what do you want to make next? You know, we, we've never held ourselves to, I mean, we've always said we want to have a few beers that are somewhat of a flagship, but other than that, it's just whatever we're feeling, <laughs> yeah, so it's nice. So, Steve, we want to get you on the podcast, too. <laughs> he's watching the game. Yeah, he's what, uh, what, what sort of beers are you, are you brewing that, uh, that you would kind of take, take a little bit of credit for? What's, uh, what's your style, if you, if you could pinpoint it? I would say New England's is what I enjoy the most. They try to keep me out of the, the brewery as much as possible towards the, <laughs> towards the end. Uh, it two days ago, I think I put a hop in I shouldn't have, and it, it won't be a bad thing. Happy mistake. Yeah. Yeah, you never know. Right. Might work out. Um, <laughs> but I'd say New England's. Starting to enjoy kettle sours a little more and more. You don't really see them out, I feel like, too often. And even when I am out, I'm still going to New England's. Yeah, it's hard to stop being a hophead. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, really, I mean, we're, we're brewing what we like to drink. You know, a lot of it is. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, uh, speaking of liking to drink, <laughs> you know, as, as we like to do on the podcast, we're doing a little live tasting. And uh, as we like to ask uh, most of our, our brewers on the, on the podcast here, if you guys could take over the taps at the Tap Takeover podcast and kind of uh, tell the story of your brewery through some of those, uh, those beer choices, uh, which, which of your beers that you have on currently or, you know, that, you know, you have in the bullpen ready to go, which of those beers would you kind of uh, choose to tell that story? 
I think the the first one might be the the kettle sour roses sour. So when we were experimenting with with kettle sours at home, it was you know was more of a the first few that we tried were just kind of IPA sours. There were, there was no fruit going on. It was just a decent amount of hops and seeing how that would actually hold up in a kettle sour because we, we were pretty interested in that and the first few batches were really really good and and uh but once we got in here we had a cooler we had you know we had some space we we had ordered some fruit for i don't even know if we really knew that it was going into this sour but we, we just kind of it just kind of popped in john's head i think it was just like well let's let's fruit this thing and you know the the raspberry and so it's a raspberry and mango kettle sour and, and a lot of people think it has kind of a grapefruit you know the combination of that with the sourness is kind of grapefruit you know, and I, I agree I think it's in a, in a really interesting way um, oh yeah I mean we still yeah we still put plenty of hops in it really because that that is like the antithesis of the kettle sour is like minimal IBU right especially yeah. because lactobacillus just doesn't like yeah. IBUs at all right it's all it's all whirlpool um, okay. yeah so we so we whirlpool and then uh yeah, it, I don't. It just it works, and it's it's one of these things that we just can't. We don't want to mess with, you know. <laughs> it's worked so well that we just don't want to mess with it. But um, once it once it came out and it was done, you know, we we have a connection to Bayview. Our, our great grandparents lived on Chase Avenue, and the color came out like this beautiful rose color. And our great grandma's name was Rose, so it was like, oh, perfect, rose is sour, you know. So it, it was kind of just a. We're not the most creative guys around, but that one just kind of there was no way it, it, it named itself almost. Yeah, it's very fruit forward, which is fantastic. It's what I really like about this w- new wave of kettle sours. I mean, I, I don't even know if we could really call them Berliner Weisses uh, anymore. I mean, the, the style, but what Americans are really doing with this style is it's just fantastic. The, the fruit is right in your face, and it's got a great tartness to it as well. Yeah, I think the Berliners are a little jealous <laughs> of where you guys are taking the style these days. I, I want to touch on something you mentioned that you already had something set up for you. Do you think you're at an advantage following Eagle Park into this space with some of, and go back to episode seven uh, with our uh, episode with Eagle Park to understand some of the challenges they face in their space? Do you think you had some advantages coming into a space that was already occupied? Yeah, I think um, there's the ums, so. No, having moving in here after Eagle Park, I, I mean, we can call Jackson and, or text him, and he'll answer any questions. Like the brewing community in Milwaukee is very collaborative, and you know, send out an email if we need some grain or something like that. So it's there's been a lot of not help, but if we need something, there people are there for us. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think. I mean, they, they took quite a jump putting a, a tap room in kind of this strange place, right? Like on the second floor of a warehouse, and and so they they definitely broke some ground there for us. Very helpful, and and there's probably a lot of locals that still will come here. I'm sure they go to Eco Park too. <laughs> I, I know they do, but you know they still can walk here if they live down the street. So that's kind of nice, right? We had sort of somewhat of an established base. If the beer was good enough, they'd probably come back and, and check us out again. Yeah, it's it's definitely an interesting space, you know, being on the second floor of a you know in a, a warehouse. You, you guys have a lot of cool neighbors, a lot of a lot of interesting folks, uh, also using these spaces. Uh, you guys also have a, a distillery downstairs. Is there any any talk with that distillery about maybe using some of their barrels and with some of your beer? 
beers, that kind of thing? Yeah, I heard they just um, might have some rye, their first rye coming out soon. So, yeah, it's been on our mind, but we haven't really uh, bugged Brian about it. But I, I'm pretty sure they're somewhere in the warehouse, so it might be easy to get our hands on. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, those the stuff they come up with is very interesting. Um, so, yeah, they, they definitely have a, a lot of barrels laying around that we could put to good use. Well, speaking of which, uh, let's get back to that tap takeover. And uh, it, do you guys have a, a couple more beers that you could throw on? I, I notice uh, you got uh, you guys have put a barrel-aged uh, coffee stout with no coffee in front of us. Uh, explain that one to well, us. It, it, uh, it's, we, this one's a little bit messy. It, it does have coffee <laughs> in it. So the original recipe is coffee, no coffee, and it doesn't have any coffee. And it just had a lot of roast. It had a really good sort of coffee flavor. We, of course, couldn't help ourselves, and we start messing with it. And so it was coffee, no coffee, with coffee. If it was it was coffee, no coffee, with chocolate and coffee. You know, we just can't help messing with stuff. This version happens to be one with some coffee in it from uh, Stone Creek. And it also has uh, cocoa nibs from the chocolate guys downstairs at Melt Chocolate. And we just felt like if it was going into a barrel, it, it just we needed some coffee in there to really help it kind of stand up a little bit to that to that bourbon. So... And the, the bourbon, of course, the barrel came from the, the barrel broker. Who, who else? Um, right. And, uh, yeah, it, it's our first experiment with it. And so it was literally an experiment. You know, it was just, let's, uh, let's brew a batch and throw it in there and see how it goes. And, yeah, we're really excited about it. It was a lot of fun. It's a really light beer. <clears throat> no. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's got a great mouthfeel on it. The bourbon's really shining through. There's a deep, rich coffee flavor coming across, uh, some big roasted notes, uh, I think, from both coffee and probably your malts. And definitely, yeah, a chocolate finish right there at the end. It, it, it's really good. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, that, that coffee is beautiful. How long did this uh, this spend in a, in a barrel for you guys? Shorter than probably most. Three months, was it? Yeah, so with that smaller surface area, you know, we were, we've were we been told it might be a little bit quicker because it was just a 15-gallon sure. barrel. So, yeah, so after three months, we it was just happened to time it for uh, St. Patrick's Day as well. So oh, nice. Was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. The, the balance with the coffee and everything is just a very smooth beer at 12%. So let's talk about, uh, we always ask uh, brewers, too, about branding. So you have a really cool logo. Tell us about who kind of put this together for you and the, the name, Component Brewing. It was a really difficult process to, to come up with a name. I mean, there's 6,000, 7,000, however many you know, breweries in, in the U.S. now. And we had a few names that were kicking around, and, and you start looking around at all the other names that are out there. It's like, it's just, either it's, it is a name or it sounds too much like a name or it, it just didn't. So, so it was challenging. You know, we, we knew we had to... It wasn't something that we had ready. Um, I think when we when, I, when we knew we were going to start this, I said, "Okay, John, what's the name?" Thinking that he had one, and when he said, "I have no idea," it was like, "Oh man, all right, let's let's get started on this." So, so luckily, John has a friend who works as a graphic designer, and um, we'll get to the design in a minute. But um, she basically sat with us and, and sort of brainstormed, and she just listened to us. I mean, we just sit and talk like we normally do, and it, of course, was pr- probably ninety nine percent about beer, one percent about our kids annoying us or something and she actually came up with a name you know she said just the way we were talking about brewing as as sort of water quality and and, and that component and then you know we would talk about a, a beer that we just changed the hop and that was it and that was the, the hop component and, and did we change anything to the grain the grain component so it was it just kind of came out of our discussions and it just fits so well because we knew that once we started this thing, it was you know it was the beer components, and then it's a component of us, you know, in our it's an extension of us now. It's our part of our life because we spend well, we all have day jobs. But we spend a lot of time here too. 
it just kind of it felt like it worked on a lot of levels for us. Yeah, I think it's a really a really cool name, and uh, I, I really dig the uh, the logo. I love the orange and the and the white. It's very very basic, very simple, but I, I don't know. It's also very striking, and in a very crowded beer you know environment that we find ourselves in it's it's tough to stand out and i I think you you guys definitely stand out it's it's interesting can you tell us a little bit about the thought process behind the symbolism that you guys have there? yeah it wasn't being growing hops at home and just being kind of i was actually before we started this i was interested in starting like a hobby farm growing hops so i i had a bit of an (laughs) obsession and still do um, obviously, that's, so that's kind how of many hops stuff. are you growing in your backyard now? Is it more than Cascade? No, it's still. So I had a, another. I had some Chinook. I had some Chinook going, but I think the Cascade pretty much just takes those, <laughs> took those out. Like it was just a. They do not hold up. Cascade is just incredible. Just a weed. I mean, it is. It is nuts. Um, so, so of course we we wanted to have. You know, it, it had to have a hop on it, and and really, Erin just kind of took it from there, and she had a few different ideas, and our last name being a good Irish name like Kowalski she had a good a couple good ideas that were like a little more isn't that old Kowalski yeah, yeah something like that yeah so so she kind of just took it from there and it, and it really was I don't know if the orange works so well because of the kind of the warehouse feel too the kind of industrial feel you know it's like the safety orange almost it's kind of just it does stick out like you said and, and we always enjoyed that it was it was something that you know on the on the wall here that you really it brings your it brings your attention and like you mentioned that was, that was really the goal Speaking of the walls, I, this is the first time I'm in in this space with component. But what's up with the? Is this a changing art exhibit you have here, or what do you have kind of displayed around here? Yeah, it's a local artist. I nope. th- just think this is this makes great radio. So just <laughs> yeah. don't point at stuff. Right. <laughs> yeah. Look at that one over there. Yeah, look at that one. Can I show you this to my That's right? That's the best one. Yeah. <laughs> no, tell us about what you got going on here. So it. Roughly every month, uh, a new local artist will be displaying their work. And that's, that's set up through the first artist that we had in here. She's kind of reaching out to other artists and, and finding new ones to come in. Right now, there's actually two different artists, I believe, both from Bayview, that are in here now. So it's the, the art component to the brewery. It is. Yeah. It is. <laughs> and so Bayview has Bayview Gallery Night, where different places bring in artists and open their doors and, and kind of set bars that might not normally look like a gallery. As That was our first introduction to it and once the stuff was on the wall it was like this is great i mean we're not going to find anything better than what people you know come up with so let's keep this going Uh, and it's been great i know they've been selling paintings as well so it's always awesome you know helps them out as well well, I'm, I'm a big fan of the artwork that's on the walls right now. Uh, you know, we're going to take a lot of pictures, so, you know, check out the website so you can see what we're talking about, but it's a, it's a real Marvel feel right now. Yeah. It's, a, it's a lot of superheroes. Yeah. I definitely see the new Spider-Man. Uh, there's there's the uh, the Black Panther on the wall. Very cool stuff. Uh, and, and very bright, very, you know, it, it just, everything pops on the walls. It's very cool, very cool setup you guys got. Yeah, thanks. It's, you know, when you're in a, a sort of square room like this in an industrial building, we, color is very helpful. Keep keep the lights, keep the, keep the light up. So otherwise, we don't want, you know, there's not a ton of windows in here. So we need something to bring the, bring the light out. So you've mentioned that all you have day jobs. Uh, so there's not one dedicated person running the show here. So how do you guys divide up responsibilities? Because this is actually unique for us. John, John <laughs> does everything. I guess yeah, a little, little bit here, a little bit there. I mean, it, it's all <laughs> over the place. And, and, and there must be because you guys are dividing responsibilities. Uh, you know, Stephen mentioned that perhaps a, a hop that shouldn't have gone into a beer did. 
Uh, are there any other kind of That's crazy... not the only time that happened. <laughs> <laughs> any, any happy accidents out of uh, those situations? Yeah. Um, we'll find out in a couple of days yeah. after it's in the right tank. Because it's getting moved tomorrow. <laughs> There's been one of the better ones that I, I don't know. We'll just... We'll just go for it so one of the beers there is everybody's named Franz that's what it was supposed to be it was supposed to be a Vienna, Vienna lager and there's a little bit of a story behind the name but the first time we brewed it I don't know Steve me some, not John not Jonathan um, ended up using uh, ale yeast instead of lager yeast um, and so it was like well let's Let's just see what happens. I mean, there's, there's no reason to, to get upset yet. Let's see what it turned out to. And it, and it turned out being a, a perfectly fine um, sort of amber ale. It, it had all the things you could ask for. And so we've tweaked it a little bit, but we've, we've kept it around. And so now we finally got back to make everybody's name bronze the way it was intended. And now we have a vanilla lager, yep. actual lager. So as we move on to this, it's a very malt forward, dark, oh, yeah. dark lager, very... Australian or not Australian? Yes, yeah, Austrian. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> oh my goodness, Jim. Jim showed up. All right. oh, <laughs> Austrian. Good night, mate. <laughs> you called out a noise. <laughs> I'm getting Munich malt in this. As a lager, it's malt forward, but still dry, crisp. Really great. Yeah, thanks. Maybe a little darker than a traditional Vienna lager. I don't know. We got a few few comments on that, but that. I mean, that's the kind of thing that we, we don't worry about too much. I mean, we're not purists by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, we, we make a Pilsner that's probably the most traditional Pilsner because it's a German Pilsner. But everything else is kind of like, you know, it's, it's some variation there, therefore, they're from. It's, you know, something close. Yeah, you know, what? to me, what's most exciting is that so far we've had a sour, we've had a barrel-aged stout, and now a lager. Yeah. Uh, these are divergent styles as you can get right yeah. and you guys are brewing them all i mean that's really fantastic like you guys are just brewing what you're passionate about yeah i think we we've always said that i mean lager was one of the first things we brewed we brewed the pilsner i think was the first thing we made here you know it's it's difficult with a small system and we're getting to the point now where it's getting even harder just to keep up with demand um but we're, we really try we really just so many people come in here and that's what they're looking for. And they're looking for, you know, they want the lightest beer on, and that's perfectly fine. I have no problem serving a Pilsner to anybody. Yeah. You know, it's, it's something we enjoy, too. It's really impressive to me that uh, you guys just opened last year, right? The, the fact that you guys are this dialed in on your recipes already, uh, do, you, do you credit that to your homebrewing days? Were you guys dialing in those recipes during the homebrewing days? Or have you guys just, working on a smaller system, been able to knock those recipes out more often and, and uh, able to dial them in that way? I would say it's both. When we opened... We knew we needed to have good beer because there were so many different breweries opening in Milwaukee that had been making great beer. And in order to be on par with everybody else, we would need to put our best foot forward. And we put a lot of effort into making sure that the, you know, the recipes were on point and our process was on point. And you know, we were making the best beer we possibly could. Yeah, the homebrew, the homebrewing definitely helped. Having those recipes to start with and and just kind of feel comfortable and. To go from five gallons to fifty gallons wasn't as as big of a jump as a lot of people probably make when they buy a 
seven, ten, fifteen, twenty, whatever barrel system. You know, <laughs> th- those that have made the the homebrew jump. I'm sure the the, the pros really maybe don't have a problem. <laughs> yeah, we we spoke with uh, the the head brewer at Tyranina, and he told us that their uh, their pilot system is thirty barrels. <laughs> I yeah. mean, it it takes some balls. Yeah. It takes some balls to to make that your pilot system. But no, I, I think it's really fun, and it's a uh, it's an advantage I think that you guys have, uh, especially in today's beer environment where people want the freshest, the newest, the you know the the craziest stuff that you guys can put out that you guys are working on a smaller system and you have that ability to just put out new stuff basically every week how often does your lineup change over yeah i mean it it is weekly just because of how fast we go through stuff so we're brewing two to three times a week sometimes just to keep up with that and so we'll we'll try to have those some of the beers we're talking about today always have those on but it's challenging um especially if we're experimenting and, and just kind of moving on to the next recipe i mean it's if something goes quick there's there's a few recipes that will go through the full full barrel in a weekend you know so that that's a little challenging to uh to keep up with okay i think this is a good time to take a little break or we're going to do a little bit of beer news but when we come back we'll continue the uh, tap takeover and we should also mention that uh, some of the ambient noise you're hearing tonight is because this is the beginning of the NCAA tournament. <laughs> so you're yep. going to hear a little bit of that on the podcast. And uh, I think it's a good time to take a break and maybe watch a little bit of the tournament. This is Jonathan from Component Brewing, and you're listening to the Tap Takeover Podcast. Welcome back to the podcast. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so we want to get back into uh, some of the beers. And you guys mentioned in the, in the first half of the, uh, the interview that uh, you guys don't think you're very good at, uh, at beer names. And I want to challenge you on that because I'm very impressed, A, with uh, two of your New England-style IPAs that I've tried. And I'm also very impressed with the names. Hayes the Lord is a great name for a New England-style IPA. IPA and uh, down the road a piece. Uh, is there a little bit of a story behind that one, or uh, what were you guys going for? I can take down the road a piece. Was um, I lived in in Boston for ten years? I, I worked on fishing boats for a while, and so that would be anywhere from from Maine, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, New Hampshire. That that whole New England obviously covered the whole the whole area. And so I've got a lot of friends out there, and I was like, well, if we're gonna name a New England. Who better to ask than you know someone in New England? We'll, we'll give them credit and. Down the road a piece is just something that people from Maine use as a like how far away is something it's down the road a piece and so that <laughs> that's literally that's where it came from so so all credit to a to a good friend of mine but it was an it was just an easy thing to I haven't done any I stayed away from fishing type things we, you know it just kind of feels like a weird a bit of a stretch as much as I love fishing and, and working on commercial fishing boats I have that that background it was much easier to stick to something that was a little more generic so uh, dj are you in charge of naming most of the beers or uh jonathan and steve do you guys uh, get in on that yes and no haze the lord came up sorry but we were in back we were supposed to be making just a standard ipa john came back there and he said i changed the recipe up i put oats in it and i believe my response was haze the lord <laughs> <laughs> And then that's how that one came. You're hazing everything. I thought yeah. you were going to say we added flour. And we, added. <laughs> we don't tell people about that. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I, I'm really impressed with the Haze the Lord. What, uh, what sort of hops are going on in this one? Because it's, it's tasting fantastic. It's pretty standard. Dry hops are Citra, Eldorado, Mosaic. Yeah, we can't get away from Mosaic. I think we just, just if we, we ever have a bigger brewery, we'll just order it by the, by the truckload, I think. 
<laughs> yeah, you can't go wrong with mosaic. The, the tropical flavor that it imparts, and then you you know you round it out with the the citra. You know, you get that nice citrus and a little bit of El Dorado. You got a good beer there. How about uh, down the road a piece? What uh, what kind of hops are we working with on that one? I just kind of reach into the freezer and grab whatever. <laughs> oh, I'm we don't want you in charge of that. <laughs> We're not going for consistency. We're just going for, for something interesting. <laughs> Sorry, down the road, we have a little uh, Galaxy, some Mosaic, and Simcoe. Oh, a little Citra, too. Nice, yeah, yeah. Galaxy and Mosaic, you're, you're, ta- you're speaking our language right now. So how does sourcing Galaxy, because even though it's a great hop, it's very hard to get. So for a brewery your size, how do you even source Galaxy? I'll get an email when it's available from some of our suppliers, and if you don't jump on it right away, you won't get it. So you have to, when the email comes in, just buy it. Yeah, the so. the spot market is uh right. yeah is yeah. our friend. So so whatever comes available, and it's to our benefit. I mean, those smaller sizes that are on there, a lot of times are other brewers just trying to offload what they have if it's getting to be a, a year old or or something. You know, it's it, it helps being small. So, so is getting the freshest, best hops, is that the equivalent of what we're dealing with, trying to get the, the haziest, craziest, newest beers for, uh, for a beer drinker? Yeah, for sure. All of the breweries are going after the same hops. I mean, the sexy Galaxy, Nelson, stuff like that. Price drives up. Everybody wants it. So what other challenges do you guys face being this size, and how, what do you do to compensate for it? Sourcing ingredients isn't too bad. I mean, we can go down to proximity or, you know, having so many local sort of people to partner with in, in that space is helpful. And we can go and grab a few bags of grain and, and we're ready to go. And if we're short a bag, someone can probably spot us one. You know, it's not like we need a thousand pounds of anything um, when we brew. So that, that's been beneficial. I mean, obviously, from a cost perspective, probably not the best, but at this point, kind of in the startup phase that we're in it's it's not something we worry about too much we're more focused on, on quality products so it's it's not something we we kind of just go for whatever we want to get into so so do you worry much about yield right because uh, especially the hazies you dry hop a lot and that reduces your yield that affects your margin as you continue through the startup phase and as you go down the road i assume you're looking to expand you know uh what are your plans to evolve yeah, so we'd love to stay in. We're definitely thinking about expanding. Um, you know, we've had a, a great run here. The first we've actually been open since end of June, and it's been it's been great. A lot of good good feedback on the beers, and and just a, a really good sort of core crew of people that that keep us going here. So yeah, we'd love to stay in Bayview. We, we just love what's going on here. I mean, across the street, there's a huge office going in, and supposedly condos and, and a boutique hotel, and then the whole Harbor District down the street. So. We don't see any reason to leave Bayview anytime soon. And, and just kind of the, it's nice having the ties there from our, our great grandparents. We remember coming down here when we were little kids. Obviously, a much different place 30, 30 years ago, 30 something years ago. But I don't know how many people would walk around where we are right now, probably back 30 years ago. It probably wasn't the, the, the best place to hang out. But yeah, it's certainly come a long way. Yeah, so how does it feel to know that you guys are making Bayview like a little sexier, you know, a little, uh, especially the north part of Bayview here where there's not, not necessarily a lot of stuff, but it looks like it's a, it's kind of growing around you guys. 
you know, it looks like you guys are going to kind of, I don't know, we were talking during the break, you guys said this might be like the epicenter of the, the north end of Bayview now. What does that feel like to, to know that you guys are a part of that? Yeah, I think, I mean, the timing is everything, right? Locations also uh, everything. It, it just feels like there's there's sort of a, a, a movement from, you know, the, it was the third ward, the fifth ward, Walker's Point, and, and now to Bayview, it just kind of keeps moving south and and so it feels like a, a really good spot to be in, and obviously there's a ton of support from the community to, to sort of keep that going. And I think having, I mean, having breweries in in sort of neighborhoods, neighborhood setups like we are, it's just you know we 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 bring our kids in here, we dogs can come in here, you know, it's very much a community spot, and and we, we're trying to figure out ways to partner more with with some of those local, um, whether it's charities or really any group, just to keep that connection going. Okay, so we know you want to stay here. We know you want to set your roots in Bayview. What about getting your beer out there further? Uh, right now, your beer is available at the Tap Room. Where else can people get it, or what's your plans for distribution? <coughs> We're at the... Where are we all at? Sugar Maple? And Sugar Maple right now, pretty much. So, down the street... Yeah. So I, I wrote a block. piece. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, nice. <laughs> Call back. Yeah. Sugar Maple, and we have a pretty steady tap line at Hale House in Hale's Corners. Because John lives down the street, and that's where he likes to go get a beer when he <laughs> leaves here. It's very convenient. Are you guys doing any packaging at all? Can people come down a growler fill or a crawler? Or and do you do any canning or bottling? Yeah, crawlers. That was something that we were a huge fan of. So we have a crawler, you know, just straight from the tap. We can fill up crawlers, and we, we do get a ton of requests for that. You know, people come in for the first time and, and have a beer, and maybe they can't. You know, we usually we're pretty consistent with seven to ten beers on tap. So you know, you're probably not going to get through them all. But I think once they've had one or two, they know that the quality is sort of what they're looking for, and so they're excited to take something home. So that's been a, we're, we're a huge fan of the crawler. Takes a little bit of time, but it's worth it. Actually, my first time in, I had uh, John himself make my my four pack of cans for me. Very well put together. They held up for uh, for finely it, crafted. One of those <laughs> held up for at least a month. It was it was absolutely nice. perfect. So uh, my 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 hat tip to John on that one. Thank you. All right, we got to get back into this beer tasting. Yeah, we got to drink some more beer. Yeah, here. I mean, I'm getting thirsty over here. <laughs> what do you guys want to explain uh, or tell us a little bit about the next one? So this is the Baby Brunch. It's a brown ale with coffee and maple syrup. It's a recipe that myself and a group at the Barley to Barrel program. So I did the Barley to Barrel program. This is the recipe that we came up with. I tweaked it a little bit for our, you know, for our brewery. Is that the reason why it's Baby it's Brunch 2? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So what was the difference then between 1 and 2? The malt pill's a little different. That's about it. So Andy couldn't make tonight's interview, but uh, he did have a question specifically about the Barley the Barrel program. Uh, for our listeners who may not know, this is a local program that is set up for uh, aspiring brewers that want to get into the professional level. And we have listen to any of our podcasts we've interviewed a lot of homebrewers who have gone pro uh and this really seems to have had helped a lot of folks one of our friends of the show kyle vetter is is a member uh but jonathan how did that going through that program help you and component get on a, a sure footing it was a really good overview of what it took to open a brewery the other 
great thing about the program was that you, I got good connections in the industry. The insurance person who holds our insurance here was the guy who came and presented. The, the, the logo, like you talked about earlier, she did our logo for the, our Barley to Barrel um, beer. So good connections and a, a, you know, a good overview of, of really what it took. And when I went in, it was either this program will tell me if I wanted to continue with opening a brewery or just say, forget it, I'm walking away. And after I was done, I was like, yeah, we should do this. So, so what were some of those lessons learned through that program? Well, it might not be the most sexy one, but TTB, somebody came in and talked about licensing and how to get our licensing through the federal government and gave us some really good tips, and we got ours a lot faster than we expected. And, and there are other examples, but that was probably one of the most beneficial. It's true, because, you know, people, a lot of home brewers think, like, well, I can just open a brewery. But the uh, the permits, the, uh, you know, the licensing, the, 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 the branding. You know, <laughs> yeah, something else to say about that. There's, there's quite a bit involved with that. So, you know, to, to have gone through that, as you guys have, uh, and to come out the other side with a fairly successful brewery in, in your first year here, I, I don't know, tip our hat to you guys. You, you guys are doing quite well with it. Let's get back to the beer that we're tasting here. Can you tell us a little bit about what is going into this and what, uh, Jim, I guess, what do you what do you taste in this one? Yeah, so, I mean, this is a very interesting brown ale. Uh, it is very malt forward, though. I mean, it's definitely a more European brown, though, than I was kind of expecting. I was expecting more of an American brown. You know, which is kind of a mini stout porter, right? I mean, it's very malt forward, but kind of roasty. This is malt forward, but has that dry, crisp kind of flavor to it. Uh, tell us a little more just about this beer and the grist bill. And is it an oatmeal brown? There's no oatmeal. Oh, there, no, wait. There are <laughs> See, this is one of the exciting things about dealing with a brewery this small, right? I mean... We're exploring new territories with beers. We're taking chances that big breweries, and, and we see it here, right? I mean, you look at the Godfathers of Milwaukee Brewery, Sprecher, and Lakefront. They're not cutting edge by any means, right? I mean, they've got their core style. Yeah, I, I would say that the big breweries would be uh, scared to death to try some styles that you guys are doing, like, on a daily basis, you know, and that's the advantage that you guys have over the big boys, is that you guys are able to put some stuff out like this and then tweak it or, you know, do whatever you want with it. What, how many beers uh, would you say that you guys have brewed since you guys have been in operation? 84. <laughs> that's a very specific number. <laughs> 84 batches <laughs> how many different beers uh, i feel like 84 john changes it yeah. every time yeah yeah we we do a fair amount of tweaking i mean it's nothing extreme usually but um i mean it, we tweak things as as needed baby brunch is one that doesn't get tweaked funny enough we we actually like that kind of strange that it's different and that it, it isn't sort of what might be expected but yeah i don't know how many maybe maybe I mean, there's been a lot of one-offs, too, where it's literally one barrel. And, I mean, we had an ESB when we first started that. I, I demanded an ESB, <laughs> and it didn't sell. And we never made it again, and I'm still kind of bummed about it because it was really good. Um, 
but you know there's just stuff that that that's the rarity usually it's it's stuff that goes really fast or we'll take um down the road and put in strawberry and pineapple into it you know something like that and, and it's just gone the next weekend so we don't always go back to those we kind of just keep pushing it you know we keep doing something different we kind of can't help ourselves so yeah so guys your size they love to brew what they like to drink but you do have to temper that with demand so how do you kind of track that demand and do you go oh my god i can't believe this beer was so popular we got to brew more of it no, it's the other way around. It's like, why did no one want to drink an ESP? Come on. I mean, Come on, people. Yeah, let's go. Let's get on board the ESP yeah. train here. And I've seen a few around you know, lately, too, and I'm always like, oh, we got to try it again, I guess. It's back, it's back in. Um, It'll come back around. Yeah. It's yeah. coming back around. Yeah, I think with our size, it is, it's easy to see what goes fast, but everything kind of goes fast. You know, when you're making one barrel and like you said, the yield thing, we didn't really get to, but I mean, you, you, every stout, every heavy beer, every New England, it is, it is a struggle. Um, but we don't really, I don't think we let that, that obviously the trade off there is we know we're going to sell it fast. It's going to be fresh. It's going to be done quick. You know, it's going to be made and out the door so yeah we never really talked about that i mean we talk about it when we're spraying out of the out of the fermenter you know a ton of hops and it's like wow there's some definitely some beer in there too um but but that's really it you know it doesn't at, at our size it doesn't keep us from doing anything how about uh you know we've talked to enough brewers that we know that uh, as as well as things go most of the time things go haywire an unexpected amount of the time. Any fun stories? Any uh, any crazy experiences that you guys have had so far? I think most of them have been with the bright tank, haven't they? A lot of beer spraying all over <laughs> the cooler. <laughs> <laughs> it's luckily a small small setup, and but but those bright tanks, you know, you you might just accidentally leave the top valve open on occasion when you're filling them up, and and when you're by yourself or or someone's not paying attention, we we tend to multitask like a lot of people do, and all of a sudden you didn't realize that you'd moved as much beer as you thought into there and, and some of it's on the floor or on the ceiling or you know, where, wherever it might be <laughs> it's it's usually john i think i don't know i'm, I'm i gotta be honest I, Steve? I, didn't, I didn't want to say that yeah. but yes <laughs> but i've seen him soaked a couple times <laughs> uh, john, john any comments <laughs> we, we did talk about the main person who did most of the work yeah that's, so. yeah john does most of the work so he, he gets most of the he's got most of the problems so we finished up the uh the tap takeover but we always want to leave one tap left over for something for the beer nerds something that's very unique to you guys I know you said that you do a lot of one-offs. What is that one beer that you've just made one batch of? I know for you it's ESB. Um, <laughs> that is like real exciting. That is like holy cow! I wish more people would like this. I, this is amazing. I mean, you guys want to just yeah. Tell what, us? Would, what would be the special release beer when yeah. uh, you guys start doing that kind of thing? Barrel aged one was was yeah. definitely exciting for us. Um, definitely the biggest beer. Yeah, the biggest biggest beer we ever done we've ever done in um, as far as having the barrel. Yeah, the most most things that could go wrong probably, because we had no idea what we're doing. Um, <laughs> and, and did it max out your mash ton? Yeah, those we we've, we've actually gone to uh, like sp- splitting the batch up. So instead of trying oh, to get so you lose, doing double mashes. Yeah, yeah, because it's just you just can't get enough yield. Like we were talking about, you yeah. just can't. It's not worth it. Why Why do you put fifteen gallons of wort <laughs> into a fermenter? You know, so so we double the lesson learned on that one. We we we've stuck a few. We we've had some time uh, spent. Trying to unstick that that stout before, so (laughs) that was a lesson learned. 
Yeah, I'm curious to know, too, uh, you guys have limited space. Uh, what would you say your b- barrel capacity is at when, uh, when you guys do a barrel age? One, one, one barrel? <laughs> two, just we, the one? We've got two 15-gallon 15, two 15 barrels back there. I think that's probably too, too many. Yeah. Yeah. They're, <laughs> they're kind of right in the mix with everything else, so less than ideal. So just talking about, uh, just to wrap up this, I want to talk about you guys are doing individual batches. So do you still have a preferred house yeast? Or are you going at each batch with its own specific yeast profile? Yeah, I mean, it depends on the beer. So we'll, you know, pitch for the New England or for our Mosaic Theory. We're doing a mix of of liquid and dry. Okay. So do you have a preferred vendor or do you just like, I like uh, Sapphire, uh, USO5, it's dry for something clean. But then I want some London Ale 3 for our New Englands. And then, then obviously, a lager yeast. We put ale yeast in the lager. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Loaded question. Yeah. Yeah. Words are hard. That's, that's our gotcha journalism right there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you have a preferred vendor that you like to get your source of yeast from? Because you guys are really at a scale. <laughs> we, Quick. Quick answer, no. <laughs> no, I, it is a good Whatever question. Northern Brewer has on tap. Yeah, right? we, are, we are still at that size where it's... doesn't want to say where it comes from. Or yeah. yeah. Where it's, we're at that size where it's, we can be very... We can experiment quite a bit. You know, we, we do use the same... We consistently use the same ones, but when we first started, it, it was sort of a, well, let's try this and let's try that. And, and to be honest, they usually, the first time we, we would... If it worked, we stuck with it. You know, we weren't going to mess with that. But it, it did... It, it does become challenging when you start to scale that up and because the size that we want for a one barrel pitch doesn't really exist sometimes you know it's, okay. it's a little more challenging to get so some companies have worked with us and others kind of are just like well just go buy the packet from, from northern brewer yeah. <laughs> i mean that's really got to be a challenge right i mean yeah. uh you look at a lot of brewers they're either re-pitching you know reusing yeast for a couple of generations or they're buying at commercial scale from Omega or Yeast or White Labs. As we're wrapping up, I guess uh, the last thing we want to know is uh, what are your plans for uh, this coming year here? Any uh, any big plans for 2019 and any beer festivals our listeners can uh, go check you out at? Yeah, so far uh, we'll be at we'll be at Stein and Dine, and then of course with the summer coming up we did Sourfest a couple weeks. Sourfest a couple weeks of Mobcraft did the what was the big one at Milwaukee Beer Fest? Yeah, Milwaukee yeah. Beer Fest. I mean, yeah, well, any that'll accept a, a small brewery like us that'll, that'll take us. We'll we'll be at. Um, we're we're looking at trying to look for places to do a beer garden on our own. We thought would be really great, especially if it's not every weekend. You know, if it's kind of a, a more one-off or, or a few times a summer event, so we can keep up with with capacity. And as far as upcoming beer releases, we're looking at we did the 1840 collaboration. Yeah, so we've got a very interesting oh, beer yeah. coming out with them. Um, we'll, we'll leave it under wraps, but okay. um, yeah, absolutely. So it'll be at both places. Yeah, yeah, it's. Which is because uh, you guys are like three, five blocks, right? Yeah, yeah. We could, we could just, we'll just carry the kegs over from there. <laughs> It'll be easy. Can you let us know, like, what sort of style you guys are brewing? I, I mean, it, it's Kyle at 1840, so I would expect it to be a New England style IPA. But uh, any, any uh, it's been in a barrel for a while. Okay, oh. not an IPA. So maybe something uh, from the area of Belgium. No, I think more no. derby, more derby related. So, um, okay. uh, so 
something big. Brett. Brett. So when I think, think when I think derby, I think horse, and I think wet horse, no. and that, that, that tells me think, Brett Park. Think Kentucky. Think yeah. bourbon. <laughs> well, I think okay. uh, tasting a wet horse, which would be uh, okay. some bread of my right. Yeah, I think we're all going the opposite way, Jim. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> some mixed fermentation there. Yeah, yeah. You're right. Maybe mixed fermentation in a bourbon barrel. Huh? All right. So, any any last thoughts that you'd like to leave our listeners with? Uh, what what can our listeners expect coming into your brewery for the first time? What you know? What sort of attitude are you guys bringing? What uh, what sort of environment do you guys want them to experience? Yeah, very uh, family friendly. You know, sort of laid back um, place. If you, it's hard to find, you know, if you've never been here, if you've never been to the building, it can be a challenge. But uh, well worth well worth the walk up the, the flight of stairs. Yeah, it's a, it's something because we have kids. We've always kind of had this. I mean, there's hungry, hungry hippos across the the way here. You know, it's dogs are welcome, kids are welcome. So we're, we're we just try to be as as sort of a comfortable, cozy spot that you know you can come and have a beer. And we're sports fans too, so there's definitely a TV on if there's sports going on. So well, I think that's going to do it for us for now. It looks like we are all out of beer for the moment. You know, make sure uh, if you're listening now, make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So subscribe for updates, and you can find all of our content and all of our links on social media on our website at taptakeoverpodcast.com so for me for alex this is jim jonathan (laughs) steve dj jesus and uh, that's going to do it for us this has been another solid non-fail production